Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, everybody. Episode 154 of The Sportive Darkness has washed over the dude As we are recording this The day My guy My favorite guy My hero My mentor My sun My moon My dark My light Sam Hinkie has, has stepped down Not fired Stepped down Of his own accord Of his own accord Needle in the hay I will remember you <laughs> so we're going to lead with that. I don't know if you guys are actually interested in in this uh, resignation or if you just enjoy trolling me. For anybody who's listening who hasn't been listening since the beginning... Why can't it be both, Brandon? <laughs> it's possible. Uh, who hasn't been listening since the beginning, I um, was really upset with the Wolves a few years ago, and I hated David Kahn with a passion, and I needed a backup team. And so... I decided to pick a backup team on what happened during a draft uh, three years ago. And the Sixers, who I had no affiliation with or couldn't care less about, had a good, what I thought was a good drafting night. They traded away a shitty player for a good draft pick and a future draft pick. And I was like, all right, well, I think these guys might be my squad. Nobody else cares about them. Sort of similar to how Clarence and I pick a backup team for football every year. We just need to find somebody under the radar. So I chose the Sixers, and it seemed valid at the time but then uh the tanking began and has not stopped so this is almost three years of uh of the tanking and that was enough to uh there was some there was some schisms i believe internally in the sixers organization and uh hinky was demoted and then there was talk of bringing in a guy to be like his at his level which technically he probably would be the number three guy so he was like i'm out and he bounced and that just happened a couple hours ago so so I'm still processing it, guys. I'm still dealing with it. It's it's um phew. Here's my it's a blow. here's my first it's a blow. question, Brandon. Yeah. Are you still a Sixers fan? That's the that is the main question that I've been asking myself. And again, I'm I'm you know, not really that upset about any of this, but it's a very confusing thing cuz I have been I am one of the most vocal sports uh people that are in favor of being a sports bachelor. Like cheer for a team if you don't want to cheer for anymore fuck it move on so i would not feel like ashamed to move on and in some ways 
though they've got a pretty good looking future with the guys that they have coming over overseas and the top pick this year and some young guys that I like. And you know, you only have to have like, as the wolves are showing like three good guys and it's kind of fun to watch. So that's one on the one hand, but now because uh, Jerry Colangelo was brought in, he all reports are, it's probably going to be widely known by the time anybody's listening to this, that he's going to be bringing in his son, his failure of a Tommy boy son to be the general manager. So I kind of want to say, fuck all of these guys. This is the is he a was, large adult son. His, his large adult son, Brian, uh, who has been, uh, had two terrible runs, the general manager, absolutely um, born on third base. So I don't know, man. I don't know, John, I got to think through it a little bit more. I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely, I'm a fence sitter right now. So I know we don't like bargaining those. right now. Where do you, you think you blew past denial and anger? Yeah, you're you're settled right in bargaining. Yeah. So where do you think I'm going to end up, Clarence? Do I love them still, or am I going to just go scorched earth and fuck them? Scorched earth and fuck them. I mean, I do hate nepotism with a passion. Um. So that's bad. So I might. You're right. I might do that. But there's some guys I've been invested in and kind of like watching and. So the sports bachelor thing, I still think is really important and good thing to do. But this will be this will be uh, an interesting mental exercise for me. So you know, it just would you say Sam Hinkie was? And this is a, a group question: the worst general manager in the history of sports. <laughs> it's amazing that you live in Minnesota and you're actually asking that question. <laughs> Did he have a? This is because I don't follow it close close enough. Yeah. Who had a better winning percentage? The teams under Khan or the teams under Hinky? Mm, well, Khan had more years and he had Kevin Love, so probably Khan. Because there was four. He got. Wasn't he the. Who was GM oh, when they won 40? If, if it's not Hinky, who would be the worst general manager in the history of sports? Well, there was one oh, guy, okay. Ted Stepien. Ted Stepien. They had to like Cavalier. make rules against. They had to actually say yeah. like that's illegal. You can't do that. You're you're fucking your team over so badly. We're not allowing these trades. So he's got to be number one. Ted Ted Stepien. Stepien. There are they there. had to go around making rules that whatever he did. <laughs> oh no, I'm sorry, Ted. We just passed a rule that you can't do that. I think it wasn't it like you can't trade away your first round pick like three years in a row because he continued Correct. to trade his that first. Was the rule. Yeah. Right, he kept trading first round picks <laughs> for like, for like, like a Michael Beasley type guy, like just a random ass, like he thought was going to be good someday. So I think that guy, um, I don't know if you want to blame the, um, the general manager, but the Clippers were a you know a disaster for like fifteen twenty years. Oh, uh, Isaiah Thomas. Oh, he was pretty bad. He was. I mean, he was. Way worse than he, he was. Bad. I heard that he was bad, which tells me he was really bad. Yeah. If I hear about an NBA general manager being bad, you're pretty bad. He yep. was also like sexually harassing an employee at the same time he was imploding the franchise. So we don't have any information that Hinky has had any illegal activities in addition to being he's bad. Asexual. I don't think he is an asexual man. He's a. I can't imagine. He looks like heard a vampire. The list of the non-basketball people he thanked. And his no. thirteen his thirteen page resignation letter, which is not a lie. Was it like a, one of my old book reports in school? Like 
quadruple space? <laughs> 13 pages? 14 font? 36 point font, yeah. A tool Gawande, Warren Buffett, Abraham Lincoln. You. <laughs> He's not done. Charlie Munger, Elon Musk, <laughs> James Clerk Maxwell, Bill James, Bill, uh, Clarence, Bill Belichick. He did not thank Bill James. Bill James and Bill Belichick. Belichick, do your oh, job. Kim. Do your job. I thought, I thought I hated him before. Amos Tversky, Tim Urban, Lee Seedall, and of course. Tim Urban, physicist. the old Vikings old lineman? No. And the physicist Max Planck is the <laughs> other non-basketball person. It's fucking insane. What a shit. So has, the, has it been Elon released Musk. yet? <laughs> I can't be serious. I know. I, ESPN has a copy of the letter. Abraham Lincoln. What the fuck? Abe Lincoln. Clarence, when you when you resign from this podcast, I expect a thirteen page. Chester, you know, uh, sort of I'd like to Chester A. Uh, Arthur non consecutively. What? <laughs> 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 Lincoln? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. No clue. Oh my god! I think he had a dark. He clearly had a dark night of the soul at some point. That's, that's all I can figure. You think they Lincoln? <laughs> uh, what was the, I don't know who wrote the tweet, but they said when he started, they were act one of Major League, and when he left, they were act one of Jerry Maguire. That's about right. <laughs> All right. That's a, I don't think you're going to get a better tweet than that. No, that's really good. No, that's, that's really, really good. Oh. So, well, I'm a, sorry, Brandon. I, uh, I short-sighted mean, I nepotism. I, I mean, this way, but I did. What uh, we've seen this movie before, short-sighted nepotism. It's it's a disease, you know, and poor Hinky's been a victim. It's not. He didn't get three months. I mean, he got less than three years. Short-sighted. David Kahn got more. (laughs) Just not appreciated in his own time. Picasso was like that, right? Not appreciated for a couple generations after. So that'll be the same deal here. Uh, yeah. Lots of lots of interesting things are still going to come out, and it's one of those scenarios where it's sort of um, people are get, people get pretty riled up, and it's kind of odd why it's so extra riled up compared to other organizations. I think maybe some of it is that he the media hates him because he's had the most lockdown organization in terms of quotes and access, or whatever. So it'll be fun to see some of the some of the wolves come out uh, at this point. But I don't know. They're in better shape than when he got there, but not a whole lot better. Very odd experience uh, all around. He was a pretender. Yeah, yeah. Felt like longer. Certainly felt like longer. Um, but I don't know. Why don't we shit on the Astros when they were like setting records for tanking for three straight years? I don't remember us doing that. I mean, I was a, a fan of what they were doing, but... Something about maybe it's the the market or because again he was such a such a jerk or you know such a not personable person and wouldn't explain. Where did the Astros uh, general managers come from? What organization? I have well, he they hired a bunch of like baseball prospectus guys, like a you know those are kind of the but the general the guy in charge. Where is he? Where was he originally? I mean, he didn't just come from base straight from 
baseball prospectus. Oh, uh, I mean, there's there's a number of people that are responsible. I have no idea who is at the top. The owner? I mean, I have no I have no clue. So I haven't really looked well, into it. I'm just asking. I'm just saying it's an interesting, like why we hate on some unsuccessful people more well, than. So others. I looked it up. He can't, the difference is the Houston Astros GM came from the Cardinals. Isn't that isn't the why the Astros got their password stolen? Yeah, maybe yeah. one of the most successful franchises in baseball. Whereas Sam Hinkie came from Houston. Which my point was, I mean, they had a little bit of success, but what? Why is this guy being touted by you and others as being this genius? He's never he hadn't accomplished a dick. Now this Astros guy has accomplished had accomplished a lot. He's a scouting director for the Cardinals, one of the best farm systems. I mean, he had developed one of the best farm systems in baseball over years, where Hinky hadn't really accomplished dick and had been anointed already. This basketball savant did you think that we were anointing him because was, why are you why do you love this guy so he hasn't done dick he, and he never will so you and thought it was because we just were looking at his resume and uh, it had nothing to do with where he came from i was looking at the specific moves he made and said these are smart moves for the future i don't give a <laughs> shit what his out. they've panned out fine so far i mean they've had a little bit of bad luck and they got a lot of really young guys they're in a much better situation than where they were when he came on I don't think that's like a a thing anybody really denies, as far as I know. So it goes this Stepien guy, and then Hinky. One, two is the worst. <laughs> no, in the David Kahn no, is a million gets, times worse. I think worse. Isaiah goes ahead of Hinky. So one, two, three. Okay. Uh, Isaiah Thomas gonna, and David Kahn, and I there's argue the NBA multiples more. Him. Yeah, smarter is people David than Kahn me. Legitimately, the worst GM since Ted Stepien. Well, Isaiah Thomas for sure is number Isaiah two. Isaiah Thomas really needs to get to get some. We gotta continue giving Isaiah Thomas Knicks fan on here because those guys. You, <laughs> you bring up Isaiah Thomas around a Knicks fan, they just start to shake. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they don't react well. Maybe the current incarnation of Phil Jackson in New York. Yeah, Very bad. The, who's the Nets guy? Forever was no. was terrible. Um, yeah, David Kahn is probably. I would say he's like bottom five, maybe bottom yeah. ten. There's just so much incompetence in basketball. So many like just trading away future for these shitty players that like Rudy Gay type players, Jeff Green, guys that look like they can play and they just have always been terrible. There's a lot of that that's been happening in basketball, which is why there's like four good organizations, you know, and a bunch of others that kind of come and go. So. Yeah, I don't know. It's weird, but I don't know. I might drop him like a bad habit. I might stay on for a little while. We'll see. The, the I think I would probably stick with him, except the nepotism thing is really, that's really bothering me. So, I don't know. That's fair. I guess we'll see. Yeah, yeah. Um, we'll see how it all shakes out. I mean, they'll be competitive at some point. Again, who knows who of these draft picks are going to, pan out and who are going to be traded for something else or whatever you never really know um so it won't be boring and that's good uh do you have any other burning sam hinky questions how much how much are you working whether in your own mind or actually in the world to try to get sam hinky to become the gm of the minnesota Timberwolves? <laughs> 
I, well, I mean, I'll go door to door if I thought there was. Yeah, an, that's I, my question. I if I have didn't... you already filed the papers for the super pack? Or... If you go or, if you go door to door, will you wear a GoPro? Because I want to see the looks of people's faces when you say you're lobbying. I am a. 30-something-year-old man 35. lobbying for Sam Hinkie. I like him. I like Sam Hinkie. If you look at his moves in a vacuum, they all made a lot of sense. They're dumping <laughs> gasoline on my head. So the Wrong two view. People, 97% won't know who the fuck or what the fuck mm-hmm. you're talking about. And being generous. Yeah. 3% will and will look at you even crazier. There's, there's like seven or eight people in the state of Minnesota that would be like, all right. All right, cool. Yeah, seven people. Uh, yeah, you're gonna you're gonna find finally one person who's on board, and at the end you'll be like, "Oh, it was good seeing you, Zach Floyd." <laughs> <laughs> just me and Zach on an island. You know what? I'm fucking fine. If if it's just me and Zach locked arms, I'm fine. I will be vindicated, if not this lifetime. <laughs> As Abraham Lincoln once said, four score and <laughs> So here here's my other question. If Brian Colangelo is named the GM, and by the time people hear this, he probably will mm-hmm. have officially been named the GM, are you just gonna pay up on our Timberwolves versus Sixers bet right now? It's hard because they I'll th- I will then probably, you're right, be rooting against them. I'd rather just pay you off and even if I win at the end, it's like it would feel like dirty money. I don't want to win yeah. that bet anymore. So, yeah, I might just pay you off right away and just get out of it. I need a new backup team then. I don't know. It's going to be hard. It's it's kind of funny when you first started with the Sixes infatuation. I think I led the charge that said, you'll come crawling back. Mm-hmm. This is a bad idea. Yes. They can't love you the way the Timberwolves can love you, et cetera, and so on. And it, vindication feels good. I'm not going to lie. Well, we'll get to this, but... The the key to this conversation, to all of this, is Carl Anthony Towns. Because if he was on the Sixers and there was a, you know, 50-50 coin flip that he could be, um, the bet would be different. Uh, Hinky's future would look different. Fandom, just in general, would be different. So because, luckily, I like both teams, so he at least landed on one of my two teams. Uh, I get to cheer for him for many years in a row. But that would have changed everything. So um, so you're, you did end up being right, but I think I'm just saying Carl Anthony Towns is the is the answer for, for why you ended up being right. Not that the Wolves organization is, has turned it around in any, in any form at all in terms no, of confidence. In fact, they've gone the opposite way, if anything. Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to talk about the Wolves? Uh, I do want to talk about my shock upon opening the newspaper today and discovering that they beat Golden State. Incredible. Yeah. On the that road. Was, On the road. In that overtime. was one of the more shocking moments of, uh, uh, of the last few years that I can quite recall. Oh, for sure. It, was, it wasn't even on the front page of the sports section. It was on, like, page four. Oh, and by the way, the Timberwolves recorded the most improbable win of their last seven years. They're like 17-point underdogs or something crazy in that stadium and having to go into overtime when they could have won the game um, mm-hmm. earlier with that shitty call that they had. It's Yeah, it's crazy. 
Um, this is not good for um, Clarence Swamptown, who's been driving the... No, it's a train. These are all trains that you're driving, I believe. Is that right, Clarence? Anything that you support? Um, it's always a train, right? Well, no, I make train sounds. I think it's a band. It's a bandwagon. So the team lose. That's a bandwagon as well. It's a bandwagon. I'm driving while I'm making train sounds. Choo choo sounds on the bandwagon. So the win against the uh, Warriors was great and a lot of fun, and we can uh, dine out on that for a few months. But very bad for team lose. Not only was it a win, which you're not a fan Bad. of right now, but that's mm-hmm. probably immaterial because they are basically locked into the where they're gonna their draft position now doesn't really even matter. So win or lose, it's almost like t- team. We already did our job in that department. Wait, they they have there's number of ping pong balls in the hopper is set is what you're telling me. Yeah, yeah, yep. they're like locked into like the fifth. They're like the fifth worst record, I believe. Yeah, I mean, unless they win out or something, you know, or whatever. Oh, they can only go, it can only get worse in the sense of team lose get worse. They can only move up. Yep, because the the next team worse than them has five more losses and there's only four Ah, games left or whatever. Got it. So if they could win the next four and if New Orleans Orleans loses the next four, whatever. But either way, we're talking fifth or sixth pick in a shitty draft. Super unlikely. Doesn't really matter. So, but no, it still does matter. No. There's a there. It does matter between fifth and sixth. Uh, somewhat, possibly. They're both the number five pick and the number six pick are both absolute crapshoots. So but it does. Still, it, it still matters. And it's the Timberwolves drafting, so they're going to pick the worst one if they're in the fifth place or the sixth. But it doesn't matter. They're going to pick a shitty player. Well, who? How many players has their GM drafted in his Z- lifetime? Zero. That'd be a zero. I so how do you know that? Well, he's like. 90 years old and has not really been in a place to I have to honestly have much I have no, you could have told so. me he's I know his name Milt Newton I don't know what he looks like or how old he is yeah I, he's yeah. a he's a long time like number three guy in an organization who's been sort of thrust into the the GM role and he like hasn't 90? done anything which is fine uh, he he executed a buyout of Kevin Martin you know but no draft no no real uh, oh and then he signed a, a guy to a 10 day contract after that buyout basically like Looked at the waiver wire on the D League and was like, "Oh, that guy's good. Let's pick him up." Hmm. So he hasn't done and they anything. Moved, they made no moves at the deadline, so he didn't do any of that. Zero moves at the deadline. Zero trades. Zero contract finagling. Yada yada yada. Whatever. I mean, he hasn't had to. Hmm. He hasn't had to do much. You know. I mean, for the most part, it was let's see what these guys have. It would have been nice to you know move around a little bit here and there, but or you know find a second round pick somewhere. Um, but whatever, not that big of a deal. The problem is, yeah, he's he's been a lifer and he's never really been in charge of an organization. There's been a lot of opportunities. It's not a great look for uh, leading uh, a really important offseason. So, so either way, if they have the fifth pick or the sixth pick, I don't have a ton of confidence that there's a guy out there that exists, number one, or number two, that we're going to get him. So my point was basically that the their win total is, for all intents and purposes right now, 99% chance that they're that's not going to matter. They're in the fifth fifth position but what does matter is that that's a big signature win that glenn taylor was probably paying attention to and is going to remember when he's thinking about retaining milt newton and sam mitchell for next year so the reason you were on team lose if i remember right besides just being a nihilist uh was that you wanted a new coach and gm that is now looking pretty unlikely 
Well, there's three components to it: the nihilism. So you went out two and one for last night. Two was getting rid of Sam Mitchell, yep. and three was the draft pick position. Yeah. Yes. So the draft pick position is whatever, but He's irrelevant. Uh, irrelevant. Nihilism is always going to be there to an extent with the Wolves. Yep. The yep. the Sam Mitchell part is is a great point by you. It uh, it's not looking good, is it? It's not looking good at all. I mean, unless we think that Glenn Taylor at, uh, I don't know, 70 years old? Something? 60s? Something. Uh, at current appearances, he is 170. The Crypt Keeper. The Crypt Keeper. Not looking great. I don't remember if old dogs typically learn new tricks, but I think that's rare. Um, if, if you think he's going to all of a sudden start doing a crazy amount of effort and research and and shaking every tree down to try to find the best GM out there, uh, yeah, go ahead and keep believing that. But but for the most part, he's going to do what he's been doing, which is essentially the guy closest to him, Milt, that he likes, goes, yeah, you just fucking just keep going. And Sam's like, yeah, you had a few signature wins. You know, I'll remember those three wins and not the other 79. So, yeah, you can keep going too. Glenn Taylor's hiring a search firm is getting his grandson to look through his phone to try to find <laughs> somebody in his contact. Who do I have their number on? You have NBA team, how do you, Tyler. How do you dial? How do you dial? I don't... I see his name. I don't know how to dial. How do you dial? Is there... Where are the numbers on this thing? Tyler, Tyler get in here. Sadly accurate. Sadly very accurate. So, um... Yeah, it's, you know, I think that there are, again, for for basketball, I still don't have a ton of confidence in my own brain, so smarter minds than me seem to think that he would, there are a lot better options, but he's not an abject disaster like a Kurt Rambis or whatever, so I guess you can hang on to that if, you, if you're really looking for a silver lining. There are worse guys out there. Uh, he hasn't completely fucked up the young guys, but... I don't know. I, I think giving him credit for ten or twelve extra wins this year and the young guys developing is a little is borderline insane to me, and that's crazy. Like Towns is the what answer. What are the percent? They need what fifteen more wins next year to make the playoffs. Fifteen? Mm, that twenty? Probably twenty. I, mean, I don't. Fifteen, twenty. Twenty? Yep. What are the chances Sam Mitchell can make that happen? I would put that at uh, well. I the question. You're not detached. Detach yourself. You're a Vegas. You're Ve- You're a bookmaker. Right. What yeah. Vegas odds at? I guess I. If if the answer, if the question is what are the chances that they can win twenty more games next year, uh, I think they're probably in the thirty. With Sam Mitchell as coach. With Sam Mitchell as a coach, they're thirty percent. But if the if the question is would Sam Mitchell be a part of that. I don't think so at all. I think just like just generally Towns and Wiggins and Rubio and Levine getting one year older are going to be better unless, again, unless you throw Rambus out there, they're going to be better with whoever. So I think there are better options out there. But, yeah, they can make a leap. I mean, they 20 win leaps happen. They're not well, Let me ask you a, a different way then. Who would, who would be the coach right now you would love to have that's available? I would like your... number one choice would be Dave Joerger. <laughs> Dave Gerard. Okay, so Wally Joyner versus uh, 
Sam Mitchell. How many more wins is Wally Joyner worth? Wally is going to give me six extra wins. Six? Holy shit, that's a lot. In an 82-game season? I mean, he's making the, the Memphis team that he's coaching right now has got, I don't even know how many wins. I don't have this. But they're they're really Wait, good, and they're just coaching Memphis now. How is he available? Well, there are talks that they may blow it all up, and I don't think he's extenuating a... circumstances. I believe, yeah. really, yeah. So he would be my number one pick because he's been he's been he's been good, and he's put it together. I mean, they're they're just hanging on for dear life, and they're still winning games somehow. So Dave Wally Joyner would be my number one pick. I'd like to talk to Tom Thibodeau. Um, He's been proven to be a super successful coach. He drives, runs guys into the ground. So I think as an owner, you got to be like, hey, dude, sign this contract where Carl Anthony Towns is not allowed to average more than 34 minutes a night for the next three years, you know? Um, <laughs> Get to the end of next season. How did we didn't make the playoffs? How did Towns play 89 games this season? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I mean, you'd have to, that would be your conversation with Thibodeau, obviously, if you know what to ask. He's- He's scheduling friendly games on days off with college teams. <laughs> All right, we need to get everybody on the floor 46 minutes again tonight. Why are you playing Hamlin? What did we have to prove? <laughs> uh, that would be my number two pick, and then I would just go back to the drawing board and, and start to do it. Our, our, our favorite sportive thing is look to the successful organizations and pick off the smart guys from there, the smart number two guys. So I'd do a lot of those, mm-hmm. a lot of those interviews and questions and... I, I think I agree with the smart guys that that Mitchell isn't a disaster. I mean, he clearly, obviously, is a hard worker and seems to know the sport, yada, yada, yada. I just think there are better options. And it'd be fun just... to try them, but they're, it's, it's not going to happen. It's Sam Mitchell. I'm going to say, John, what are your odds that Sam Mitchell's coach next year? Well, it's Glenn Taylor, so it's better than 50%. For yeah, sure. for sure better than 50%. I agree with you. I think like 75 80%. I think it's probably less than 75 but... Yeah, seventy five actually sounds about right. I just don't know who he's going to go get. Like, Adelman called him, right? Yeah. So maybe there's a scenario like that where there's some I'm washed see up guy. If Jimmy Rogers is still alive. <laughs> Holy crap! <laughs> I remember him. He was <laughs> he was old when he was coaching. There's that. no yeah. way Jimmy Rogers five years ago alive. It's got to be dead. How about Sidney Lowe? He hasn't been the coach here for a couple decades. Isn't he like our assistant coach? Yeah, I think so. I think you're right. Still alive. For sh- really? al- almost for sure still alive, Sidney Lowe. Brandon, I have a question for you because I genuinely don't know the answer. Is the league at this point littered with former Greg Popovich assistants who are now head coaches? I have no idea off the top of my head. The only one I know is the Sixers coach, Brett Brown. He was the number two guy there. That's it. Because it seems it seems like at this point there should just be a a number of former Popovich disciples who have done their apprenticeship with Popovich and now are great coaches in their own right. I guess I, well, Steve I say, Kerr. Steve I say Kerr that, was uh, was a bench coach for a while for them. And actually, now that I think about it, the Hawks as well. That was a former number two guy. So there's a few of them. Yeah. Andre Dawson. Yeah, yeah, the Hawk. You know, I say that, but now that I'm thinking about it, you think about all the guys who were coordinators for Bill Belichick, who were some of the worst coaches that were ever loosed upon 
other football teams ever. <laughs> it's like, one thing Charlie to be like, oh, I guess you give <laughs> Belichick more credit or whatever, but it's also like, Belichick, who the fuck well, are you hiring? These are the most worthless human beings on the planet. You can't figure, you can't find some guy that's smart. God, Char- Charlie Weiss ruined so many football teams after leaving New England. Holy shit, was so he many. useless. Eric he Mangini has like death threats from Cleveland. Yeah. Romeo Cornell. All of he nearly killed football at Notre Dame. Then he went to Kansas, and I think they did drop football last year, didn't they? <laughs> Couldn't Jesus really Christ. He's gotten paid more money to be only Tyrone Willingham has gotten paid more money to be a worse football coach. Those uh, those pants though, with like the seventeen inch rise in front, though, are expensive. Yeah. You have to get those specially made. Gotta really hitch those things up. He and Chris Christie. All right, here's what I need out of you for my tailor. I'm going to need pants that have a 12-inch inseam, but on the outside of the leg, they're 46 inches long. I need a 28-inch zipper. <laughs> you guys want to get that? We had to take apart wanna... a part to get that zipper. Yeah. Do you want a Jimmy Rogers fast fact? Yep. Yeah, I would like that. His first job coaching was a as an assistant and then head coach at UND. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Good I thought God. you were going to say his first coaching job was at the City College of New York in 1942. No, he was, he was <laughs> yeah. born in 43. He, was, he started really young. He uh, went to college in Iowa and graduated in 64, and then he got a job as an assistant to, uh, in North Dakota and then was their head coach in 1967. Like well, at the age of 24, I guess, if math is right. Him and Phil Jackson both started yep, at there North Dakota, and then they kind of, that's kind of where the That's the end. They, That'll end. They, they yeah. Trail off. Afterwards. yeah. After that. Uh, I'm guessing they're both equally incompetent at this point, though. Phil Jackson's had a rough couple years. Yeah. <laughs> they're both having trouble cutting their own food now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this is too much. I'm sorry. This is too much hoop talk. We're talking about cagers yeah. too much. Don't you think they want to move on? They've got other stuff to talk about. Yeah, other things. Other things. Um, well, let's talk. Let's move on to uh, happier times. Our Minnesota Wild are in the fucking playoffs, guys. I was right. Right. Go this back is... to talking about. Yeah, basketball. let's go back to hoops. <laughs> Unbelievable. I wish I knew a, like a wild fight song I could start singing right now. The Wolves beating the Warriors was bad. The Wild getting in the playoffs is bad. <laughs> <laughs> no, the, the Twins being 0-2 is bad. It's not good. We, we, we know that at least. We'll also get into that. So the Wild, can you remember a time when there was less optimism around a playoff team in Minnesota? Playoff teams <laughs> in Minnesota don't happen. Like, it just never I, happens. And this is like people are like, fuck this team. It's incredible. I think it's amazing that the Wild last night made the playoffs and were booed off their home ice <laughs> on the same night. We're just putting in the most lackadaisical, just terrible effort again for like the four straight game. And then they came off the ice and everybody's interviewing them. They're like, hey, how come you guys always write such negative things? Well, it's because you guys suck. It's because you play. It's because you play like you don't care, you overpaid losers. God, lock every one of you in a refrigerator. Uh okay okay that's that's very good you just rip that yeah it's a it's open wound right now it's just it's frustrating yeah yeah so let me ask when they play the stars next week stars or possibly the blues how hardcore are you going to be cheering for the wild very hardcore 
Okay, so you're still just fucking into it, but you just well, you're upset, but you're into it. Especially if it's the stars, because Obviously. I'll be making a Norm Green dummy to just punch <laughs> repeatedly right. during the game. And I mean, eight seeds have there is a history of eight seeds advancing in the NHL, unlike the NBA. Is that a, that is fair to say, right? Yeah, it doesn't. I mean, it doesn't happen particularly often. It's not but like it, it happens twice a year, but it does happen. What about you, Clarence? Uh, I'm having a rough time with this team. I, uh, <clears throat> on one hand, there's a number of players that I like a lot and I always have, and I want to do well. Zucker and Granlund. Well, he's at the forefront, but there's a number of other young players that I like. Um, and if they play Dallas or St. Louis, those are both teams that I dislike very, very much. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, is a number of coaches, not just the head coach, who I'm more indifferent towards, but the assistant coaches, and a number of other uh, veteran players on the team that I dislike very much and hold accountable for where the team is right now and do not want the team to do well because of them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Fair. So I'm weighing these two things, much like you and the Sixers, and where you're at. I'm weighing them. I haven't landed on a spot yet. I'm just uh, I'm, I'm frustrated with them, and uh, I'm still working through some things. Yeah, in my head. That's it's, fair. It's, it's it's hard. You know, you've got for years this team has been uh, remarkably streaky. And in, in any sport, there's a level of there's there's streaks that happen. It's hard to be the Warriors, you know that's that's mm-hmm. why it's such a big story. It's hard to sustain that level of you know success throughout an entire season, yeah, or multiple seasons. So streaks happen, but this team, more so than normal, is just streaky. Whether it's scoring or wins, it, they, it just they are effort. All of these things just come and go. And to me, that is a, and, and it's come and gone through multiple head coaches. I'm not sure you can lay it all entirely on Yo's, at Yo's feet or at Torchetti's feet. It's it's happened through multiple coaches. The the only thing, the only standards, the only things that have remained the same have been, you know, the team leadership, the player leadership, and the assistant coaches. Who you look at. Special teams were a disaster until Torchetti. You know, uh, penalty kill was a disaster until Torchetti showed up. Just a disaster. Worse than the league. The power play for years under Yo has been just miserable. These are responsibilities of the assistant coaches. And those special teams have just been miserable. Uh, the the effort, level of effort been miserable. The streakiness, miserable for years. The only things that have remained the same are those assistant coaches and those leaders, those player leaders. And I, I, I have trouble pointing my finger anywhere else but them. I, I'm, I'm, my ears are open. Explain it to me who else it could be. The top? Yeah. The very the top? Is it the owner? Couldn't be him, right? The owner is very hands-off. I don't know how it could be the owner. It's not like he's right. Jerry yeah. Jones and in the locker room, you know, 
his contribution is basically to spend Red's the max check. number of dollars on his team every year. Right. And, and then he leaves. Yeah, and sit in the owner's box and cuss at people. Yeah. That's really it. That's all he does. And then after him is the GM, right? Is the, the, the next? GM, yes, who... I guess he could... Yes, the GM we didn't talk about, but is he? he's not on the bench right. mo- you know, providing motivation or one of the players physically playing. Not that hands-on either. It's a different sport where you're not, you know... Yeah, and that's never been clear. Maybe. Who, who's making the healthy scratch decisions? Is Fletcher driving that and the coach is going along with it? Is it the assistant coaches? Because that's where I think some of this may lay is the assistant coaches have their favorites and the people they dislike and they are playing into the GM and the head coaches and uh, that's where some of the poor decisions and some of the poor effort are, are stemming from along right. with the the, pl- the the head players, the veteran players. Not all the veterans, but I think there's some of them that I just really wonder about. I, I, I don't know another answer. It's obvious the coach doesn't know. And if the coach doesn't know, then how the fuck are any of us supposed to know? The one that's there every single day, watching every practice, watching tape, watching the games, if he doesn't have an idea what's wrong, and he's just pulling up random people from fucking Iowa that nobody's ever heard of, trying to, you know, he's got his finger in the dike. Yeah. Just trying to figure out what the fuck buttons to push he doesn't have any idea if he doesn't know then then how am i supposed to know yeah that makes sense so if you look to the future next friday night and the wild like a overtime win goal do you see yourself like jumping up and down pouring a beer over your head or is it like a is a real modest fist pump is it you've been fiddle fucking around in the garage and didn't even pay attention i mean where you think you're going to be at looking to next week impossible to say wow you're that impossible to say i don't know yeah you're really working through some things you're right you weren't kidding it's hard you know i see uh i watch the game and i get i'll get a little worked up like i'll say oh man yeah nice pat you know good play then five seconds later i'll see a just a limp wristed couldn't break a fucking piss-soaked Toilet piece of toilet paper wrist shot from Suter on the power play, and it's you know batted out of the air like it's nothing. <laughs> My defense, been, you know, gravity like a, wins. Like a Japanese beetle that's in the ground, you know, that you oh get away from me type <laughs> thing. But the defense just bats down, and I just go crazy. Or I'll see Koivu take another lazy, just lazy, stupid penalty. They're down by a two. There's eight minutes left in the game, and he'll just take a stupid interference penalty with no ramifications, no repercussions. Nobody talks about it. Like he, There's nobody on the team that makes stupider, lazier penalties. But then you'll get some young player, and it, it's not just sucker, there's numbers of them, that does the same thing. And it's talked about, and there's... 1,500 words written about, you know, the next day about one penalty. And in the meantime, whether it's Pommabil or Koivu, takes seven of them, and it's never even mentioned by the coach, by the media, by it, even by fans, mostly. And it just it drives me fucking insane. Okay, so we're going to have to check back in with you next week to see how this has always come about. Because it is weird. I mean, what you're talking about is, again, that sort of, 
it's I think we were raised to be like you cheer for your team no matter what and these are your teams and those are your only teams and that's how it works but it's sometimes not that easy I for sure have found myself cheering against not against but like being completely ambivalent to Minnesota teams because they've been just clueless or for whatever reason and uh, it's, it's weird but I think that's the way to do it you gotta just go case by case every year of like no I'm really into this year's version of this team and I'm going all in on these guys so eh. yeah I don't see another way. Yeah. I yeah. wish there was another way. Yeah, no, totally. I'm with you. Uh, do you guys have any last wrap-up hockey puck talk? When will we know who they face? Is there is that going to be like down to the last day of the season, or is that still? Yeah, St. Louis and Dallas were tied uh, at the top of the conference coming into today. So, Who do you guys want us to face? St. Louis, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, St. Louis is going to be last year, correct? It is, and they match up well with them in St. Louis. I think lost. I think Bacchus got hurt, and then they lost somebody else. I heard this just offhand. St. Louis is sort of in the same way as the Avalanche. St. Louis can't resist the idea that you can come out and just punch a team for a period, and then they'll fold like... uh, House of Cards, and then you can score 15 goals on them. And it's not just folding. I mean, they're just, it's like watching a boxing match where the, the one guy comes out and just throws haymakers. Yep. For just repeatedly, one after another. And you're like, son, you can, that, have you ever watched boxing before? If the other guy just stands there and doesn't get hit, you're going to be exhausted, and then you're going to get your ass kicked in round two or three. And that's what St. Louis does every single time. They come out and just throw haymakers for 15 minutes and then are just panting like a dog. <laughs> there they are. All right. So we're... And they think that somehow the Wild, who not a physical team, but somehow they're going to goad them into just an absolute boxing match, with they'll then, which they'll then proceed to win. Might be the least physical team in the league. I mean, the the Wild have to have the fewest penalties. I mean, I bitch about the stupid penalties some of the guys take, but I still think they take so many. They take so many dumb penalties that they have to be up there. They have to have the fewest roughing penalties, or I think they're they got to be the least penalized team in the league. But it doesn't mean they don't have a lot of stupid, poorly timed penalties, lazy penalties. So, do we know when the first game will be? Is it next week sometime? Right, some. Sometime probably late next week. Yeah, some yep. Friday or Saturday next week. That's mm. right. Like, cool. remember the NHL playoffs? Don't they do the thing where they'll play like one game and then take because they try to line it up for television? They'll take five days off and then. Well, the, the NHL playoffs usually start on a normal schedule and they just play every other day. It's not like the NBA playoffs are always famous for. Well, the NHL went to that more. Did they? Well, that is true. There has been some complaints. Once they got their game sort of back on TV, that helped a lot. Yeah, yeah. people love that. Uh, All right, so do you want? Should we move on? Sure. All right, Minnesota Twins. They are just doing some calculations here. One point two percent of the way through the season, but I think it's over, guys. I think it's over. Season's over. All done. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. 
LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. <laughs> it's a good round. Tomorrow's a must-win, I think. That's oh, yeah. I, could you imagine going into... Yeah. Uh, Might as well cancel the rest of the season if they don't win tomorrow. Especially going into Kansas City, the defending champion. Juggernaut. Absolute juggernaut. A buzzsaw, if you will. They have no chance there. Uh, no, not much to say so far, obviously. Some guys look good. Some guys look bad. And I think... Offensive stalwart Byron Buxton. Two doubles today. I actually missed yep, the second one. Did, stalwart. Did you guys yeah. see the second one? I saw the first one was a really nice okay. liner to left field. And the second one, he worked the count. He worked the full, he was down. I think he might have been down 0-2. Worked he was down 0-2, Clarence. Yep, that's what he's been doing. Mm-hmm. Down 0-2, then he just was patient. Mm-hmm. Axel Rose. A little, little swim. touch of Ed. A little touch of Ed. A little bit of Ed. Well, and then he just Ed sat Ed. back and drove the ball to the left center gap. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's awesome. I, I'm actually, um, that's really, really great to see because he has looked not great in other at-bats. So, um, you know. I just want to. I just want him to go at his own pace. You know, unlike some others who will, who will remain, who will remain nameless. I want him to just go at his own pace. And for this year, for for my point of view, he's the future. He's a savior. You just, buddy, you play some defense and see some pitches and go at your own pace. You don't need you to be gotta, a stalwart. Don't need to be a stalwart. I don't care what you hear. Another pressure you're getting from outside sources, buddy. Take your time. <laughs> And that'll wrap it up for tonight. Thanks for listening, everybody. <laughs> Son of a bitch. If you're Paul Molitor, you have to just, for his, for Buxton's sake, for his comp, I, I think the confidence thing is overblown, but yeah. you just got to go to him and say, you are my center fielder. Yep. Just, just save runs. You're, you're not trying to not, score not runs. Save you, runs. Just fucking play defense and whatever you get at the plates, gravy, you're going to figure it out. You're an incredible athlete. You've, Figured it out at every level you've ever played at. Yep. You're going to figure it out. We're just going to give you time. And I think right? the worst thing that you can do and the, the, the obvious thing that some managers do is, like, cut your swing down a little bit, just get the ball in play, you're so fast, whatever. Like, I don't want so them cool. to do yeah. that with him. No. Like, just take your hacks, do it right, do it on your own pace, right. whatever. And I think that they have probably have done that with some other guys before because um, they've gotten impatient and they know that, you know, but then you get into bad habits and all of a sudden you're not the hitter that you should have been. So I am totally down with and expect, not expecting, but like if he hits 210, I couldn't care less. Just play center field. The, so it's nice that he had a couple about, doubles. The funny thing about Buxton is that he has, he sort of fits into the player type of an outfielder who, gets on base, and then steals a ton of bases. But he's not a very good base stealer. 
Oh, really? Despite being the fastest kid alive, he he doesn't steal bases particularly well, and he doesn't bunt particularly well either. So you look at him and you think, well, he'll get 30 bunts, bunt hits a year, and they all count as doubles because he's going to steal 110 bases. And one thing one of those things is really true. I've never looked up, and, and I wonder if a study's ever been done. And Is base stealing an innate, you know, talent, or is it something that is developed? You know, was Ricky Henderson an incredible base stealer when he was 20 years old? Or did he slowly become you know, that good? Lou Brock. What was his base stealing percentage when he was 19, 20 years old? That's, uh, you know what, Tim Raines, all these guys that were so good at stealing bases, huh? is it a skill you have to develop or is it something you're born with? In Ricky Henderson's age 21 season, he was his awesome. first full season, he stole 100 bases. <laughs> yeah, that's <Jesus> amazing. <laughs> All right. Well, that's one thing. <laughs> There's your gold standard, everybody. All right. Caught stealing and, 25 well, times. Baseball reference doesn't show the stolen base percentage, at least not right away. So, When Ricky was 18 playing single A ball, he stole 95 bases. That's a lot of bases. Lot yep. Of bases. That's a lot of swipes. At any level. A lot of they, swipes. They do not make Granted, like that. He did get yeah. caught stealing 22 times that year. And I think those numbers probably... Well, actually, he led the league in getting caught stealing just every year. Yeah, but, that's just the way it was going to be. Yeah. You're right, though. It amazing, is, it's an odd thing. The amazing thing that, about Ricky that you forget is he stole a ton of bases, but he also was on base a million times a season. Incredible. I mean, yeah. there was the per, the myth that people talk about, like the more power you have, the more walks you should have because they're afraid of you hitting one out or whatever. It's like the guy with the most walks is fucking Ricky Henderson and you yeah. know, he'd fit 12 home runs a year or whatever it was. More than that, I guess. But, um, you know, he wasn't hitting 50, so... Uh, yeah, that guy was amazing. Totally, I miss that guy. Uh, I wonder if he was an anomaly. <laughs> no, yeah, I <laughs> that's true. I don't think you can compare anyone in baseball history to Ricky. Such a no. weird skill set. Psychologically, physically, uh, all of it. Yeah, he, he was, was unique. You know who was even better percentage-wise, at least from what I remember, I've been told, Tim Raines. I'm looking him up. He had 71 stolen bases when he was 21. He had 78 when he was 22, and he had 90 when he was 23. And he was getting caught 12, 14 times a year. Jesus. He was, uh, when he was ages 25 and 26, both two years in a row, he had 70 stolen bases and nine caught stealings. That's wow. fucking incredible. That's, he was 10 to 1 at some point in 27 years. 50 stolen bases, five caught stealings. 45 hey, here, here and 6. Go, Jesus. With Lou Brock, he, he there we go. stole here we go. 16 and 24. He, his first two full years, he is 23 and 24. He stole 16 the first year, 24 the second year. He never stole more than 50 till he was 26. And All that's right. when he started. There's our standard. All right. Mm-hmm. There's a sliver of hope. Sliver. Yep. That's all I needed. Thank you, John. That's all I needed. There we Lou go. Brock. Lou Brock. We found a comparison. And even if he doesn't become that, that's fine because he's he's going to get a million extra bases a year just because he's so fast. Singles or doubles and doubles or triples. That's right. Uh, his double, his first one today was. I don't think it would have been a double for everybody. It was right over the third baseman's head for a lot of guys. That's just a round hard and end up going back to first base. He was in easy. 
Um, so those will happen a lot, which is great. So, well, the fun thing about Buxton is when he's on first base and there's a ground ball to deep third base, and the third baseman goes back and whips it to first, and then everybody looks up and Buxton's standing on third somehow. <laughs> like what? those moments. You, where did you? Did you touch second, or did you just cut straight across the infield? What happened here? Another thing, though, that is probably learned in some ways, but he is just obviously unbelievable, is defensively, I don't know if you remember the first game, I think it was Trevor May that was pitching, and somebody launched one, I think it was Chris Davis, that looked like it was gone, and it, but it wasn't that high. Buxton was at the, the wall in like .4 <laughs> seconds, and was just standing there waiting for it. Not a difficult catch by any means, but for everybody else, it would have been. He's going to be one of those guys that makes everything look so easy that you immediately take him for granted. Mm-hmm. That's a perfect example. Um, Dick and Bird didn't really say anything. They had made a little bit of comment of like, oh, good route. But especially compared to the fucking nightmare that's in right field right now, it's a, <laughs> it's a, a night and day. So there's already, I think we were worried about this, and I think we were hoping of like, snow and right is not great. Um, not a great plan just in general, but maybe you can just sort of get away with it and not have too many moments where the ball's going to find him. The ball has already found him a bunch of times. It's not good. And it's, it's a little frightening. Every time the ball goes up to right field, it's like, uh, what's going to happen here? And, you know, I understand. Well, I don't know. I don't even really know where I fall. I mean, we talked about it a little bit with uh, Royce's column before, and I, I can justifiably see both angles of, on the on the one hand, you've got people that are like, Sano is not an outfielder. He's never been an outfielder. It's just bullshit that they are putting him out there, and it's not his fault. And then on the other hand is like, okay, fine, but he's a pretty, he's a young guy. He's a decent athlete. He should be able to figure it out if he works hard enough, whatever. Um, and I don't really know exactly where I land um in either of those two camps. But for example, the there was a blooper hit today with a guy on first base and two outs. And and you should just, if you've played outfield at all, it's not really about hard work. It's about just you intuitively know, I'm going to keep this ball in front of me. And no matter what, I'm not going to let that guy score. And Sano... Second base. No, no. Uh, the guy was at, you said... No, Hardy was at was first at base today with two outs. And there's a blooper hit in front of him. So basically, if you keep the ball in front of you, there's no way in hell he scores. The one thing you can't do is what Sano did, and he fucking dove forward even though he was like 12 feet away from the ball. It gets away from him, and Hardy scores all the way from first base. Completely completely unnecessary dive, and you should never do that. And I think you know that if you've played, and that's one of them where I think both camps are probably, there's one camp going, well, he's fucking, he's never played right field. That's a hard thing to teach. But there's maybe how would you know that if you've never played right? Yeah, that would be. I don't know. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like on this, yeah. I think I'm probably going to go back and forth both uh, throughout the season. But this one was one of those where it's like you can't you o- you only have to have played a million hours to know that they're not going to talk through that situation with a guy to go. Hey, by the way, if this specific scenario happens, here's what you need to do in the heat of the moment. Um, so I don't blame. And even if they did talk to him, you got to talk to him like seven times to say that. Yeah, to sink. I mean, that's not a million other things for you to think about. Well, I got it. I'll remember that right when it happens. Yeah, and it was funny because, like, obviously, I, I think there's probably a lot of people who have played a lot of outfield who immediately saw him start to dive and go, "This should not be happening at all. This is a terrible, terrible, terrible 
idea because of this scenario specifically two outs guy in first like that's that's the scenario where you don't do that you don't even risk it um and they you know but but you have to talk to him about like well if there's one out guy on first then maybe you go for it because the ball's not going to get away from you it's just going to be guys on first and second anyway because that guy's only half yada 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 right there's just like you can't talk through every single guy on certain base and certain outs and certain score and certain inning so that to me was on the twins whoever has decided to put them out there ryan or molitor both um that was on those guys and that sucks and it's already happened. It was only two games in, 1.2% of the way in. There's already been runs on the board specifically because of that decision. The troubling thing for me was how strongly, seeing the clip of that play, how strongly I got flashbacks to Delman Young and had to, had to relive that all again. <laughs> oh, that's not, yeah. Because, I mean, you talk about a guy who's played outfield his entire life and never seems to get it. There's Delman Young for you right there. He was nothing but an outfielder. And yet they never run around first base, and uh, here here he comes. He's going to try to make a sliding catch, and now the ball bounced twice before it actually reached where he slid, and now it's over his head, and it's in the left field corner. Yeah, it's just the things you need to know of when to make those judgments. I'm like, you know, what? I'm just going to lay out for this one. Two outs, nobody on. It's a blooper, and there's a. It's in the left center. There's a center fielder behind me. I'm fucking going for it. That makes sense. Other times they don't make sense, and it's a huge bummer. So, to be fair, Aaron Hicks completely botched a fly ball <laughs> yesterday for the Yankees. All right, a, that makes me it feel was a bad. liner, and it was like the you know was the like the noon sun was right in his eyes, and it like he realized I think at the last second, oh god, this is five feet over my head, and it was just it was gone. He had no chance. So that does would help. Would it be all right to to want them to install a rule with? to know just never to dive but <laughs> what situation just don't ever dive no dive like it maybe even install like they you know they would do the rollover tests on like old suzuki samurai <laughs> where they would have to install the things on the side like the wings yeah so yeah. they wouldn't Out, flip over outriggers sort of <laughs> yeah like outriggers yeah just maybe put those on him like some sort of harness that he wears around his hips so he can't dive Mm-hmm. You can only catch like the ball. A combination outrigger water wing kind of thing. Yeah, something similar. Basically, you're putting Sano in the pool and putting something on him so he can't flip over and drown himself. Some Maybe like one of the big the, the, the suits that they wear and people wrestle. Yeah. The samurai suits that are kind of padded. I think those encourage falling over. That's true. Shit. Hmm. Back answer. to the drawing board. Yeah, Back to yep. the idea with the outrigger yeah. with the Suzuki Samurai. Yeah. That I bet was Tesla the... had these same kind of problems when they were first seen. Yeah, I mean, it was actually it's a perfect point because I was just going to talk about Elon Musk. Exactly. He's just a hero <laughs> of mine. It's the... <laughs> we have to... I won't be able to sleep until I read that letter. Like, what the fuck are those 13 people... I Maybe must like see that. all 13 pages. Did you actually say Jimmy Buffett at one point? Warren Buffett. Okay. Warren Buffett. <laughs> Jimmy Buffett would have been funnier. (laughs) Damn it. I was really hoping to laugh at that. As someone who likes to tell jokes on the online, Jimmy Buffett would have been a funnier name, but it was Warren Buffett. You can use Jimmy, though, as some sort of joke. I'm sure we can work that in. You're the joke guy around here. I do my best. Um, Okay, so we need to move on because we still have a few more things. Um, One thing I wanted to ask you guys, sort of similar to what we were talking about earlier, 
Um, do you have any backup teams this year? And do you have any teams that you are passionately cheering against? Like, give me your one or two of, of each one of those. Uh, John, do you have either one? For the NHL playoffs? No, for the for baseball, MLB. For the baseball? Mm. Yep. It's an interesting question. Thank you. I don't have them very I often. always... I want the Royals to lose every game they play. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. You used to be really good at that, too. Yeah, no one should ever have nice things. Um, I always want the White Sox to lose every game. I think I'd be happier if the Cardinals lost every game. They're they're on track so far to be 0-162, and I think I'd like that to continue because that'd be pretty funny. Um, who else am I missing? I think that all makes sense. Do you have a team that you like? I'm much, I'm you much like the Mariners, better at right? The hating. Yeah, I like the Mariners. I well, I like my cousin who lives in Seattle, and I want him to be happy. The Mariners themselves. I I have Felix Hernandez on my fantasy baseball team. That's about it. So that's yeah, still pretty good. Okay, that's fair. Yeah. So all right, the Mariners. Uh, Stu, what do you got? Um, I think our friend Fasola Matt sent us a tweet. Um, before the show started, he's at the uh, Oakland A's game, um, and their uh, cleanup hitter tonight is um, um, Danny Valencia. Swag out. They're going to repeat Swag that out. in 2016. Swag out. Second game of the year, Oakland's cleanup hitter is Danny Valencia. Wow. So Deuces. obviously, Deuces, I baby. Little, I have a little rooting interest for Oakland because I I don't know how you can make that work with a stadium that fills up with poop every once in a while. So I'm, uh, I'll say like, if they can overcome that, God bless them. That's yep. Oops, stadium and Danny Valencia. Oops, stadium and Danny Valencia. And there's your show title. Got it. All right. And do you have anybody you hate? Uh, everyone else in the AL Central. Sure. Uh, Cardinals, Yankees. That's great. Red Sox. Wow. So many. That's awesome. I love it. Clarence, what about you? I do not have a team. That's my second team. I do not like any other team. I hate all teams that are not Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. I hate. I don't hate them all equally. Mm-hmm. I think level I hate it there's, there's correlates. No, there's definitely degrees, and I think it's not a perfect correlation. It's not a straight line if you graphed it. But it's it it does correlate to their payroll. Um, you know, I'm a rube, yep. and I'm a I'm a Minnesota rube more specifically. And no nuance when it comes ever. To baseball payroll is is going to play a part in my hatred. It probably always will, and uh, that's all there is to it. So you know, the Yankees hate hate them. The playoff stuff, you know, the history with the Twins plays into it, but the payroll plays into it a lot too. Boston hate them. Um, Giants hate them. Um, you know, any of those high high payroll teams. What about the Dodgers? Hate. Yeah, hate. Oh, Jesus. Hate. Damn. Damn it, I kind of like the Dodgers. And, and their home market, they can't watch the games on TV because Time Warner and the Dodgers can't agree on anything. It'd be okay. like if the Twins and Fox Sports were just at loggerheads. So, like, for, you know, two or three, this is like the third straight year they have been blacked out in Los Angeles. And it's the last year of Vin Scully's uh, contract. Ooh. So they don't get to hear the last year of Vin Scully, who's been doing games since like 1908. Mm. 
velvet so, yeah, voice. That, yeah, they're very eminently worthy of hatred. Damn it. Okay, that's fine. They got a lot of smart quick, guys in their front office. One quick baseball thing for the two town ball guys here. Yeah. Did you either of you ever uh, play at Tink Larson Field in Waseca? Uh, Are you familiar with that field? No, I am familiar with it, though. I don't it is think burning that. to the ground as we speak. Oh, it's terrible. What? Wooden like grandstand? One old, yeah, one of them old wooden grandstands. I think you've played your last game there. <laughs> yeah, that'll do. That'll do it. Oh, I, yeah, I played my last tumbling yeah. long ago, but yeah. oh, that's too bad. Yeah, it is a bummer. And a friend of the show, Sean Fury, posted that. So. Oh, no. Well, Sean Fury did our show, and then uh, seven times one. Sean Fury went big time after doing our show. Much, much, much bigger time. Way bigger. We got him when he was well, before rebuild. he was. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. They'll rebuild it better yeah. than ever. That's what little towns like that do. They do the they fundraisers. Know. They do the, you know, the bingo yeah. and the, the beer bus. Yeah. Sell some hot dogs. Yep. Sell yep. some beer. Have a beer bus. A lot of bars at the kid basketball tournament. Uh, be awesome. But speaking, it'll never be the same, but it'll be really nice. Yes, they'll be. We're rooting for you. We're with you. Mm-hmm. Speaking of town ball, this is a terrible segue, um, but uh, my team, the team that I'm on, is playing at Target Field this year, like oh, mid-July. Who are you playing? Uh, we're playing a St. Paul team, so fuck them, and uh, I'll probably fight them. Uh, no, I think we're playing Stockman's Irish. Which St. Paul team? I think it's Stockman's Irish. I'm not positive. Oh. Um, it's one of the it's one of the um, teams that are um, real competitive, so... So that'll be fun. That'll be kind of a cool. Uh, I haven't oh, played God, there. So You're going to be all ahead. Patrick O'Flaherty is going to take the fucking deep, <laughs> fucking off the train. <laughs> off the top of the scoreboard. Off the go 96-3 Red, hairy forearms. Just freckles. Everywhere. Just giant red, just hairy forearms. and all sunburned. sunburned. Yeah. So totally overcast yeah. and it's night out. But he's sunburned. <laughs> Can they hit a home run and play a bagpipes all the way around the base? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> a little jig as he goes around the base. Oh, fuck. That's going to be... Leprechauns hop out of the dugout just dancing everywhere. My oh, God. That's going to be glorious. Well, I'm excited about it. Um, I'm getting a little long in the tooth baseball-wise, so any of these little moments I can... It's pretty fun. fun to, yeah. pretty how's, fun. how's the arm feeling, Brandon? Arm feels good right now. Uh, don't Have you know. Stretching, stretching out for the season yet? Are yeah, I've tossing? done. A, Are you long tossing? I've done a little bit of long toss. I did a couple. Yeah, we do some youth camps during the winter <laughs> to keep kids loose and uh, babies. It's basically just glorified babysitting. So got to play a little bit of catch and uh, yeah, feel good so far. It's gonna be fun. Uh, okay, so my backup teams. It's always been the A's, although I you know. They don't look like they're going to be very good this year. I'm not sure what to think about the Cubs. I kind of like them, but their fans seem like oh they're God. kind of assholes. I, yeah. It's one of those things uh, where you I... Don't wanna, you don't want to be in that group, Brandon. Just I think stay away. It's one of those things, though, that I sort of want them to win so we can stop hearing about them. Oh, like, just fucking... I mean, is they're, they're good. They are really they're good. I think good. by the Cubs winning the World Series, we'll hear That's less the... about them. Less yeah. about yeah. The, 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 oh my the God, Sox they're a pretty so, good example of that. Yeah, you never hear anything about the Red Sox these days. <laughs> but we hear about, I just was, I was just annoyed of the same fucking, they're cursed and they're this and that conversation. Uh, so I just want to like, just get, just, I want to stop hearing about it. So I don't know. I'm kind of on the fence. I can see myself rooting for them in the, once it kind of comes to it at the end, but I guess we'll see. 
Uh, but I like the A's a lot. And then I'm, I'm, I think you guys are totally right. I'm number one cheering against the Royals. Just, just jealousy. Just pure jealousy. And being jealousy. Being bad at hitting home runs and having starting pitching is not supposed to work. So I'm still just very annoyed that it worked for them. Like, that's the fucking Twins way, dude. And that never worked. Why did it get to work for you guys? Didn't work for us sure. for 30 yeah. years. Uh, and then, obviously, Cardinals, Yankees, just just eat a dick, all of you. Just eat a diseased <laughs> dick, please. Okay. I'm glad I got that off my chest. Thank you. We've got a couple sportive explains and a, and a music thing or two, and then we'll get out of here. we got to go really quick. So really quickly, the first request we got for a sportive explainer was Broken Skull Challenge. I think this is for you, Clarence. What are we talking about? Broken Skull Challenge. I don't Broken know. Broken Skull Challenge is the best show on television. Okay. Show on it TV. Is, okay. It is a reality show. It is hosted by former WWF. I'm not calling it WWE. WWF superstar. Oh, great! Thanks for the lawsuit, Steve Austin. Thanks for the lawsuit, Clarence. Well, yeah, the, the, yeah. the World yeah. Wildlife yeah. Foundation is really going to be all over that. <laughs> you know they're listening for tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> sue me for everything I got. That means you got to sue my debt too, assholes. <laughs> uh, it is a reality show, but not in the sense of most reality shows where there's manufactured drama and. You know, they do the backstories on everybody, and, uh, you know, they'll do, like, a lot of reality shows that have competitions. They'll mm-hmm. then go back to, like, a clubhouse where everybody sleeps. And they talk you about, know, you know... And they fight, and they get drunk, and they talk about... The, nope, it's just the competition. That's oh, okay. It. So there's eight... Every show is either eight men or eight women, and it's like a tournament. It's the bracket. So there's three... You know, there's eight of them, so then there's three levels. Uh, there's eight, three events, really. The the first event might be something as simple as like uh, a piece of rope that they in, in a big open area, and whoever can pull the piece of rope out of the other person's hand, it goes on to the next round. So that's it. So you got these guys simple. that are just giant. Classic. Yeah, very simple. Uh, you get these guys that are just giants, and they're trying to yank this circular piece of rope out of each other's hands or it might be they have a piece the the rope is tied to their waists and there's a bell on each side like 100 yards apart two bells and whoever can ring the bell first their bell wins so you're either trying to yank the you know towards the bell it's just physical competitions then at the very end whoever wins amongst these eight people has to go through the skull buster which is steve's personally designed physical challenge thing where it's like you have to run with an 80 pound log for a half mile through the woods or whatever down down this dirt road then you get to a big cargo net up in the you know a big triangle that's like 40 feet in the air back and you got to beat the previous person's time that that holds the record and if you win you get ten thousand bucks so it's like kind of a backwoods american ninja warrior is that a fair? It is fair. It is similar to American Ninja Warrior. It is Ninja like Warrior obstacle courses and stuff like that. Gladiators. Yeah, it's very much obstacle courses, but against another person. Yeah, I was going to okay. say a little more mano a mano than yeah. Just the American Ninja course. Warrior. Zero sum or ultra at the very end. Okay. Okay. Um, is all yeah obstacle courses. But so it's cool because point, like point. the challenges are so like intense. The intensity, it's yeah, real, it, it it's is. raw, sometimes it's real raw. 
<laughs> and it's not, you know, nobody's wearing a helmet, nobody's wearing pads. There's nothing. It's just there's no real any rules. You can kick the person, you can kick them right in the fucking teeth if you want. Wow. You just mono mono. That's right. What what uh where where is this on? Is this a spike or It is on uh well I'm going to be able to tell you on each of your respective cable networks. Or is it or, like, uh, Yeah, I don't need the number. It's, it's on a CMT. It's on okay. Brandon's favorite channel, CMT. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's obviously channel 246 on uh, DirecTV. Yeah. Well, that could be. It's on 166 Probably. on DISH. Um, I was just going to say that. Dish I knew network. That. Yep. Uh, and Steve is just, you know, he's an intense person anyways, so it's fun. On his uh, on, on people and and uh, but it's I, I think what I like is it's not manufactured. It's just uh, it's a reality show, but it's also sports based and uh, it's quick, breezy, mindless television. Love it. Okay, that's good. That's a very good explainer. Uh, not explainer number two. <clears throat> this one's for uh, Steve Newman. Hey Can you explain to me the allure of, and I'm not being a snob, although I usually am, um, the allure of professional wrestling? Um, I can do I, this one, too. Great. I, I believe you asked me, because um, you asked me to explain what I meant when I said that the appeal of wrestling is similar to the appeal of musicals. Yep. I would love you to expound on that. Hmm. Well, sure, Brandon. Um, first of all, they both take place in a heightened reality. Whereas, you know, they're all, they're set in, you know, the real world, but then they have guys in, you know, top hats and Miss Elizabeths and, Briefs. and, or they break into song in the middle of walking through a park. It's, it's reality, but it's, it's heightened. Okay. And yep. um, there's clearly delineated good guys and bad guys. And, you know, there's always going to be a heel and a baby face or an Inspector Javert and a Jean Valjean. And you may, like, <laughs> sympathize with bad guys, but they're definitely bad guys. And they're definitely good. So it's just, it's, that is, they're, they're marked off. Unlike, there's no shades of gray. It's, you can like the bad guys, but they're bad guys. But, Stu, you know that I live life in the gray area. That's my favorite place yeah, to okay, be. Bro, is that why I don't you. like this? Um, <laughs> Um, and like you know, if you're a fan of wrestling and musicals, you're not a casual fan. You love wrestling. You love musicals. I mean, you pay for the pay-per-views and like the WWE Network, or you know, you go spend like five thousand bucks on eBay to get a seat at Hamilton. You know, you just that's you. You aren't. You aren't uh, just. Uh, you're not a dilettante with these things. When I asked, if you're not a, if you're not a fan, I think. You're just completely baffled by the appeal. It's like it's grown men pretending they're not really fighting. This, is, this isn't an Olympic wrestling. There, it's a pretend fight. Yeah. And I was like, what? Why? What? And you know, if it's a play, or you don't go to a like a play or a movie, and then people just start sinking in the middle of it. You're like, what the fuck? Why did you? <laughs> <Yeah>. swear? <laughs> if Where did you practice play? this dancing? Why is, <laughs> Why is Clint Eastwood singing in Paint Your Wagon? That doesn't make any sense. Yeah. <laughs> Dirty Harry, stop doing that. So it's just yeah, it's I just think it's uh I just think they're very similar appeals. They're just they're like things but they're heightened. I'm I I think I'm actually right about that. 
They're very dramatic. Both of them are dramatic. Super dramatic. Yeah. Their story, they're very <clears throat> scripted, like a really good, like a really good soap opera. They're both, you know, scripted with an inch of their life. The, you know, the, the, there's definite characters and storylines and protagonist, antagonist, protagonist, antagonist, you know, black hats, white, you know, white hats. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, and it's not, and that's not, again, I'm not, that's not even a criticism of either art form. It's just, that's, I think, if if a wrestling fan is making fun of musicals, or if a musical fan is going, oh, wrestling, whatever, you know, it's just, and that was my You're the same. Im- imitation of a snotty musical fan, by the no, way. No, it's exactly, <laughs> perfect. <laughs> whatever. It's like, no, you guys don't. You guys just like the same thing. You just like them in, you know, on, in different presentations is all. When I asked anyway. the question on Twitter, I got a few people that said the main reason they like wrestling so much was because it reminded them of being kids and being into it back then with their families and all that. So it seemed to be a fair amount of nostalgia wrapped into it as well, which I think makes a lot of sense because you're right. If you come into it later, there's a good chance, although I'm sure a ton of people have come into it later at like 30 years old and been like, oh, this is fucking great. I want to be a part of this more. But there is a good chance too that there's, like me, I didn't grow up with it as a kid and it was completely foreign to me that when I saw it in older age, I was like, what the, what? What's that? What? So that might be that component as well. And it's probably similar for musicals too. It seems to be very much like a, if you were brought up around it, you appreciate it so much more. And and there's that too, which is probably the same as every other fucking interest in the whole world. If your family was a part of it and you've been into it since you were a kid, you love it even more. So I get that. And I'm just purely just curious. I mean, I'm not one to judge. I watch like the OC all the time. So what the fuck do I I'm not criticizing either wrestling or musicals. I think they both have value to, the audiences that like it. What Stu and I are saying is don't add us. Don't, don't add us about wrestling or musicals. Don't add us about either one of those. Um, John, what else, what do you got? What do you got about pro wrestling? Well, my experience with pro wrestling is that pro wrestling is to regular sports as Rocky four is to boxing there. If you really like boxing, I don't think you're going to like Rocky four that much. Because you're going to look at it and go, well, this is ridiculous. But the great thing about Rocky Four, and it it can ruin other boxing matches if you start with Rocky movies, is you've got these incredible wars that have a dramatic arc all of their own and this engineered narrative that goes with them. And then you watch regular boxing, and it's just a Polish guy punching a Russian guy in the face. And so, I mean, the beauty of professional wrestling is... And why I think people like it is because you can take those you can take those moments that happen sometimes in sports where the announcer invariably says some some version of well you you couldn't write this in a book you you couldn't make this up <laughs> yeah yeah except you could and wrestling does make up those kind of engineered dramatic moments all the time it's just a fair amount of the time they're pretty bad at it and so after a while it can get old. Just too over yes. the top, you mean, or just yeah, basically exactly. the same storyline repeated? Yeah, now the I, bad I, guy's I, a good guy. What? I I think that is the critic the the main thing that wrestling struggles with, at least in, in my knowledge of wrestling from way back when, when I was a kid. But is that they don't always do it well, and it's a little bit hard to come up with different narratives than the ones you've done five thousand times before. I'm sure the writers on General Hospital have the same problem of, well, what do we do with this guy? 
you want to do amnesia again? We only, <laughs> well, we did that last week. <laughs> yeah, I think for me, um, wrestling is number one or two on the list of things I would, like, I just wish I could be a good sport about things, and I'm not, and I just... You can't fake it, though, right? I think number one is Halloween, and number two is <laughs> professional wrestling. Like, I wish, I wish I could take a pill and just be a good sport about it, and I just haven't been able to, like, get over the hump or whatever. So, it is what it is. But I, I am jealous of people who are just like, dude, come to the Target Center and watch this thing in person. It's a fucking blast. It's hilarious. It's over the top. It's funny. It's yada, 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 and not be the guy that's like, wow, this is, I mean... This is ridiculous. He just was a bad guy. He's a good guy. That's, you know, it's not earned, <laughs> you know. Uh, I'm not actually that big of a snob, but um, but it's still just sort of, I, I don't know, a blind spot or whatever you want to call it. So I've always been sort of interested in, in the allure and why people just go ape shit about it. So, yeah, I mean, you can you can say that sports are better than wrestling, and that's a legit thing, but right now on the TV, I'm, I'm watching the middle of an Oakland A's Chicago White Sox game. Professional wrestling is better than this, <laughs> by far. <laughs> yeah, right. And there's a lot of soap opera, not soap opera, but just dramatic off-the-field things that are happening in sports nowadays as compared to however many years ago, but pre-whatever, pre-internet, pre-deadspin, pre-Twitter, that we have to deal with now of uh, D'Angelo Russell's recording a teammate saying he cheated on his girlfriend and then that got hacked and onto Snapchat and back to, and now there's a boycott at brunch and no one wants to sit with D'Angelo. Like, we're kind of getting into... Some, they're still real, right? But but those elements of that drama and the plot and the good guy versus bad guy are sort of coming to life in lots of different... Sports aren't just sports, you know? They probably never have been, but more so every year, so... I guess there's wrestling elements to all of it. Yeah. Uh, okay, so real quickly, the last thing we wanted to do, I believe the old guys in the room, if you guys want to handle this, uh, musical legend died today. Do you guys want to cover this, who it was, and what to do if you want to look into his music a little more? Merle Haggard died today, uh, 79 years old. One of the last like real titans of country music it's basically willie nelson and dolly parton are the ones that are left to that generation there's not a not a lot left and do you uh, have do i have this right Stu? where he died in, on his property but in his tour bus yes he was at home but he was in his tour bus yes that's kind of beautiful that's where he, that's where he lived i mean he, he he toured he was a road dog he you know basically since the early 70s that's what he's done that's just so, great or did that's very yeah, poetic. That's, I love that. Sort of, yeah. It's and I mean, if you just do a couple of searches on some of the obits that are out there, just some of the stories about him, um, they they don't make them like that anymore. He's a he 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 went to actual jail. He he didn't, you know, he isn't uh, you know just telling stories. He 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 went to jail. He like held up a restaurant and was so drunk he forgot to leave out the back door. So that was. Uh, he ended up uh, going to San Quentin and seeing Johnny Cash when he played at San Quentin and kind of straightened himself out and uh, wrote a couple of songs, got popular, and uh, the rest is uh, rest is history. Got divorced from his wife and decided he was going to buy, I think, if I had the story right, like thousands of dollars worth of cocaine, mm-hmm. 
and just go sit on a houseboat and have some people party with him. And he just did that for like six months or something. And he realized he had to get clean because he did cocaine with the same girl for five straight days and realized after five days that he only brought her there to have sex with her. And he (laughs) instead, you know, a hundred straight hours of cocaine was like, oh, wait, we forgot to do that. That's how messed up I am right now. I didn't do the one (laughs) thing that I wanted to do with you. We instead just did thousands of dollars worth of cocaine. That's when he decided that he was going to clean up. Like that's a wake-up call. That's a wake-up call. That's the, the stuff that all the... Call. yeah You hear it every day. <laughs> of course. We've all been there. That's why he's so relatable. We've all yeah. been there on the houseboat with $20,000 worth of cocaine and realize, wondering what we're doing. But um, no, it's true. It's, uh, he, he lived the life that a lot of people in country, or probably in most walks of life, uh, want to have lived or, you know. He he fit a lot in the seventy nine years. I don't think anyone can dispute that. Yeah. So, can you give me a few? Uh, what are his best known songs? Um, Okie from Muskogee, I would say, is probably his best known one. Would you agree with that, Clarence? Yes, I would say. Uh, yeah, I would say that's probably his biggest song. Yeah. Um, Mama tried. Mama uh, tried is also a, a standard. And that's uh, a Silver good one. Wings is a. Silver Wings is a motherfucker of a song. If you ever hear that Silver one, Silver Wings is a great song. I don't know that it's yeah, probably not his. No, but it's as far as like popular, if yeah. if you're going to put it on a playlist, like that and Sing Me Back Home are just two of the just classic, you know, country outlaw that like genre of country. Or they're just yep, well, well worth your time to find those. Can and the guy could play. He wasn't just uh, he know, wasn't up there just picking and grinning. Yeah, no, he, he could actually play, and he could had a hell of a singing voice and uh yeah give uh give him a look-see get uh, get on your youtube and your your spotify and uh track down a greatest hits album and just uh give it a listen i think what would you say are your top three favorite songs not his most popular but your favorite uh, the, uh, the two i just said at mama tried would be my three because mama tried is just such a you know oh, <laughs> i turned 21 in prison doing life without parole and that's just you know you can't go wrong with a song lyric like that that's just you've already you've, you've won just call it a yep. day. I know that song even. Even I do. And it is great. Yeah. It's been covered by a ton of people. I mean, you, you might not even be familiar with his version of it. but Oh, God. The Matchbox be- 20 version. The Google oh, Dolls God. version. I don't know. I have no <laughs> idea. I just tried to think of terrible musicians who probably would have covered that and been bad at it. I'm so sure yeah, there are a Rest in peace, Merle. Yeah. Um, good. Well, that's, I think, that's all I got on the list, he guys. Was, he was uh, he was my dad's favorite singer. It makes me sad. Yeah, my mom was always more of a Wayland person, but my dad, for a number of reasons, I think he uh, he had a lot of. You know, my dad's not a very emotive person, but uh, we had uh, Merle's records. That would be when my dad would. Um, whether he was drinking or whatever, he, <laughs> I could tell if it was cranked. When I came yeah. home downstairs, I knew what 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 I was in store for. If I went downstairs, there would be a drunk old man down there. And, and uh, no, Merle was the the real deal, and he was a singer songwriter. I mean, there's reasons why I love him, and that's one of them. My, my dad couldn't give a shit about singing and songwriting. Um, but that's one of the reasons why I love him. He's a real singer-songwriter. 
you know, back that when he was really becoming popular, you know, Stu, you could talk to this probably better than I can, but, you know, the country music was going towards, I don't know who's a great example, probably George Jones, the kind of orchestral yeah, string. The, the country politan, I believe it was what it was. There would be a lot of trumpets and... There you go, yeah. And, 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 that's, you're, that's why I say you're better at that. Yeah, yeah. country politan, perfect. Where Hag was like, you know what, fuck you. Uh, yeah. Steel guitar, fucking mm-hmm. uh, electric guitar. Here, this is what I'm going to do. Bakersfield sound, gonna play. I believe, is what it's, it's referred to as. Because him and Buck Owens basically were doing that. It's a there little, you go. Harder, so you had all these people in Nashville, mm-hmm. and Haggard's like, no, fuck you, this is the music I'm going to play. I'm going to do it from California, which everybody in the rest of the country hates California. Mm-hmm. Fuck it. That's where I'm from, um, and this is the music I'm going to play, and I think that's part of the reason why, why my like dad like Gordon if people didn't hate Jeff Gordon except the opposite except but also the California sharing no. yeah yeah and uh what he his dad died when he was like nine and he lived in a box car. His dad made uh, a house out of a box car. <laughs> and his old man was a was a, worked at the train yard, and our family had worked for the railroad for a billion years. And there's all these connections. And it just makes me sad. And I'm sure my dad. I haven't talked to my dad about it yet, but I'm sure he's very sad about it. Or he's just like, ah, fuck. It was '79. Yeah, people die. That'd be another thing my dad would say. And, not care at all. I don't know. You don't think he's got it know. cranked in the basement to eleven? I, well, I probably not. That's not his style. He, 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 he'd be more like life goes on. Try fine. It, it happens. It happens every day. People die every day. <laughs> Thanks, Racy. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't talk like that at all. I, I like the Racy. I just like the Racy voice. Yeah, it's great. I love it. I'm glad you pulled it out. Yeah, let's have a little Pat Racy morning, Merle Haggard. <laughs> He did today on his show. Every every uh, sounder was every oh, uh, awesome. all really? the bumper music was Merle. Well, oh, Pat loves his old country. He does love his old country songs. Yep. Anyway, that's I'm sorry. That's oh, okay. No, well, I, that was a good bet. No, I'm sad. Mm-hmm. And I loved him too. You know, not as yeah. much as my dad did, but uh, yeah. I, man, I love Merle Hager. Got to see him yeah. last summer but, but, before he died yeah. at the state fair. Oh, that's great. cool. That's great. That was cool. I'm happy. The only time I ever got to see him. So I got to see him before he went. Yep. Put Willie Nelson in bubble wrap, everybody. Because <laughs> yep. he's it. He's the last Don't one. Don't lease that ganja. Make sure that's Back. just pure ass straight shit. <laughs> Nothing bad in there. He can handle that. He can definitely. Give him medical grade stuff. Yeah. The guy in Colorado. <clears throat> All right. I'm out. I'm out of stuff to talk about. Yeah. Okay. Let's wrap cool. Let's Me wrap too. her on up. It was a super show. Extra long. Thanks for listening and tuning in and we'll hope to see you next week. We love you. We miss you. We can't wait to see you again. Goodbye. Later. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for fifty to eighty percent less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at fifty dollars luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? 
elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.